Welcome to NHAI Talks, a program from Mental Health America of Illinois, where we talk all things mental health related, like ending stigma, education, hope, and change. I'm your host, Mariah Orija, MHI's program director, and I'm joined today by Sharon Decabisi. Sharon brings a fresh perspective to our typically clinical-focused conversations. But what she has to say about the mind and body connection is wonderful, but it isn't exactly fresh and new. For centuries, many cultures and societies have recognized or honored the mind-body connection and how the state of the body can impact the state of the mind. Sharon earned a degree in cognitive science from UC San Diego and a certification in Alexander Technique Instruction from ATI Los Angeles. As an Alexander Technique Instructor today, she helps doctors, lawyers, business executives, actors, teachers, and singers by teaching them the tools to release harmful tension in their body. Welcome, Sharon. Hi. Thank you, Mariah. I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm so happy to see you and, and be able to talk to you. And if I'm especially happy in this conversation today, I have a little history with Sharon. I was one of her students back in Los Angeles. We won't say how many years ago, <laughs> possibly, partially too, because I, I can't recall exactly how many years ago, but I was introduced to Alexander Technique through Sharon and its benefits. I was, I was the beneficiary of the technique, and I'm thrilled that we're having a chance to, to broadcast this conversation today. I want to, before we get into Alexander Technique, I want to provide a little background for you, Sharon. So let's paint a picture of, of who you are for our listeners. I mentioned already that you studied cognitive science and Alexander Technique, but I also wanted to talk about your, the experience you had that led you into discovering Alexander Technique and a deeper appreciation for body wellness. I had forgotten until I was researching that you were a dancer. I used to know that when I took your class, but I want to talk a little bit more about that part of your career in life. Can you share uh, about your dance and, and what your performance, uh, what that what that experience was? Oh, for you? definitely. Thank you so much for asking. It feels like such a vital and important part of myself. You know, I was the, one of the kids, you know, when you'd have an awkward dance, like in middle school, I was one of the kids that was first up dancing by myself. So like I was born to dance. I've always loved to dance. And like, you know, the rhythm of the music and it was the eighties, the rhythm of the music would be playing. And like, I couldn't sit there. I had to get up and dance and I couldn't care that no one else was dancing. And then, um, in high school, I was a cheerleader and in college, I broke my leg. I was taking um, a modern dance class to take just to fulfill my arts requirements. And I broke my foot and I went and it's totally different story, not related to dance. And I went back to the dance teacher, the modern dance teacher. And she said, well, you're going to stay in the class, right? You can dance in a chair. And my mind was blown. I was like, I can dance in a chair. So I did the whole class in a chair made up of like choreographed a whole little like performance in a chair and then fell madly in love with modern dance. Start, I choreographed that year my first piece ever to Pink Floyd in ministry and got an award for that piece of choreography. And then if you fast forward to my adult, my adult life, um, even though I kept taking dance classes and doing dance performance, I found salsa dancing. 
And in the beginning, it was so difficult. I was like stepping on people and elbowing my partners in the face. But I kept dancing because it was like, oh, it grabbed my soul. And still to this day, um, I still go out to salsa dancing. I was on a salsa performance team. And in fact, I'm teaching a beginner salsa class at a corporation for their holiday party. So dance is always a huge part of my life. That, that is so neat. And what this is totally not related to our conversation today, but what a great testament to accessibility. I love the fact that your teacher said you can you can still dance. You can still participate and express yourself by using the chair. Because I think later on, I want to talk about how people can just stay aware of their bodies. And accessibility is just a topic that I really, really enjoy bringing up in just in, in life. What sort of led you to discovering Alexander Technique was that you experienced debilitating and chronic hip pain. So was that a result of another dance injury or just muscle overuse joint? You know, at the time that I found the Alexander Technique, uh, that excruciating, it was hip and low back pain. Um, I was working with children with autism. I was sitting in their little mini chairs and that's also very, it was a very stressful job, a stressful job that I loved, but it was very stressful. So combining the sitting in little kid chairs and the stress and my body's response to stress, which was to tighten up my body, lift up my shoulders, you know, tighten around my ribs. And then on top of that, you know, being a, a young woman who, even though I love to dance, I still like hit my body, you know, like a lot of that, you know, that we all have when we're in our twenties and later on, like maybe some body dysmorphia where I felt like I had to hide myself. And so that shape, that curled up shape, you might call it a hunch, you might call it a slouch, plus the stress uh, is what I believe caused that pain and injury. And like nothing would make it go away. And in my first Alexander Technique session, it was actually another a fellow dancer that suggested that I try Alexander Technique. And in that very first session, all the pain, all the sensation of tension and tightness just fell away from my body. And I felt like my body had disappeared. And I had only really related to my body from a perspective of pain and like feeling bad about it or feeling icky about my own body. And in that first session, like I felt light. I felt easy. There was no pain. It was incredible. And I kept taking sessions from there and like just kept feeling more and more relaxed, more calm, more open and better able to deal with like whatever life was throwing at me. I'm sure there are people that are listening who can relate to similar injury, similar pain, similar pursuits of healing, similar disappointment because they don't find the healing after trying, you know, several methods of treatment. They're they're hearing this and are like, okay, but what the heck is Alexander Technique? <laughs> so let's just dial it all the way back. If you had to describe Alexander Technique, the like the theory of it, the practice of it. And what a session, what those sessions were that gave you that miracle feeling of healing. What is it? So the 
the originator of Alexander Technique, he called it psychophysical reeducation, which it, 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 it just makes you wonder more. So in my shortest description, I say it's, a, it's hands-on training that teaches its clients, its students to heighten, to wake up their body awareness and understand what they're unconsciously doing in their body that's causing pain and tension, and then calming the nervous system and quieting the nervous system so that they can consciously release painful, harmful, unconscious habits. People will say, I feel so light. I have experienced that when the different parts of the technique that you introduced us to in class. Tell the listeners about constructive rest. So in every session, there is some time spent on a table that's similar to a massage table, but it's not massage. And the client, the student is laying on their back with some support underneath the head so the neck muscles can release and lengthen. And the knees are bent or supported with some sort of bolster or pillows. And that is called semi-supine position in yoga terms. So you're flat on your back with your knees bent. And in that shape, when you lay in constructive rest, when you lay in semi-supine, gravity in the floor can really help you to release all of this unconscious painful tension that has you close off your body. And while I'm, while my clients are in semi-supine and we're doing constructive rest, I'm giving hands-on guidance, teaching their body awareness like, you don't, you can't feel this yet, but you are holding and tightening maybe your chest muscles, maybe your shoulder muscles, maybe your abdominal muscles, and then giving gentle guidance so that their nervous system and their, their conscious awareness learns, like, I can release this. I call it releasing the armor of tension. We armor ourselves. We're in a very provocative world. And we're hearing about it, social media, the news, you know, there's just so much happening that our bodies are clamping up. So when my clients come to me, we spend a little bit of time doing basic movement patterns, sitting, standing, walking, bending, so that they learn like, oh, I'm clenching my jaw, I'm tightening my hips, I'm pulling my shoulders up. I don't have to, I can gently release it. And then we go to the, the table uh, for constructive rest, I feel like people dive onto the table. They just like that's where they feel the best. And as they let go of this unconscious armoring in the body, their breathing slows, it deepens, they have a sense of deep relaxation that is so unusual for our everyday life. And that deep relaxation opens up the possibility of not being clamped and closed down and tightened up and curled up and slouched but that openness that is so much more powerful and relaxing always had issues with my back and shoulders and tension probably most most of my life i think it's related to my legs not even and then some things in my hips and then also just that's where i carry my tension my life tension in my shoulders and the thing that I think differentiates massage therapy, which is great, from like constructive rest that Sharon, Sharon was just talking about was that it can, whereas massage therapy is a service that you pay a lot of money for and then you walk away and it, you know, a, you know, a few days, you know, it feels good for a few days. 
But Alexander Technique connects that tension to your awareness of it and holding on and teaches you how to let go so that you can actually be an active part of your, your healing. I had seen study class with a teacher who's told us about one of his previous students who lived at the gym, always working out. And that through getting to know him, through getting to know the student, he realized he was really carrying a lot of tension in his body related to past traumas, related to his, I think there was, I, I don't recall, but I think there was an issue with the young woman uh, or things, you know, unforgiveness, life experiences, tension. And when that young man became aware of it and began to release it, he, he you know, big, strong guy started crying. All of that, not, you know, not that, not that being healthy is not good, but maybe some of that addiction to the gym and working out and buffing up his body was just a cover for that for that internal tension. Sorry, that was a, that was a long winded tangent, but I, I just thought it was relevant. Yeah, the armor of tension. We can armor ourselves with muscular effort and holding, and even what most of us have been taught: it's stand up straight, pull your shoulder blades together, lift your chin, lift your chest. That is an armored shape. That, and there's no suppleness in that shape, no dynamism, no real breathing in that shape. So you're basically, when you're standing up straight and holding that shape with all of your muscular effort, all of the emotional tension in your life doesn't have anywhere to go. So a lot of times I'm teaching people breathing coordination and allowing the old breath out. And oftentimes people will cry. Not always, but a lot of people will cry in sessions because they let go of all that armoring that they'd held on to for years and their diaphragm can finally move. So the, the diaphragm is the primary muscle of respiration, but it's also the primary muscle of emotion. So when someone starts to finally let go of all of that hardened muscular effort, they then have contact with their real emotions. And they start to develop what's called interoception. Our interoception is our awareness of our internal states. So on the most basic level, it's hunger, thirst, needing to use the restroom, but also our awareness of our internal states, like, oh, I'm nervous, I'm angry, I'm sad. And when we have those physical awarenesses, then we can take better, you can take better care of yourself. Absolutely. It's a tool. It's a tool to help and to, to, to assist in your own healing. I love that. And you have shared with me and uh, Sharon has given me permission to share the story about your own personal experience with having to tap into these tools to assist in your own healing during the COVID-19 pandemic starting in 2020, a lot of our lives were rocked and turned upside down. And during that time, Sharon, she and her husband decided to end their marriage, which is traumatic enough. Yeah. Um, no, we did not decide together. It was shocking. It was traumatizing. It was a total surprise. So it, it wasn't a mutual decision. That was a, a part of uh, the the big event of, that really thrust me into, you know, trauma, depression, 
and like almost a complete shutdown. Like I wanted to shrink so badly. I just wanted to disappear because I, I was so shocked and surprised by the event. And, um, you know, there's this moment, like I, I was, I was curled up. I, I, I literally went to my mom's and was living in her office on her spare futon. And I was curled up on her futon, like definitely makeup, like streaming down my face. I've never cried so much in my life than this event. And there was this little voice inside of me that whispered, get up, get up. And like, I knew that I had to use all the tools that I have been giving my clients who have to deal with high stakes situations like auditions, like performances, you know, like, you know, lawyers going to court. I worked with lawyers going to court. I had to use all of those, those tools to heal myself from this traumatic event. And I, I just had to, I had to interrupt you because a lot of people, when I talk about this, they want to give a, they want to, they want to use a euphemism for what happened and say like we decided or someone someone asked me to leave but it was shocking it was horrifying and there was there was no calm sane discussion and so i just have to speak this out loud to any of your listeners who maybe have also gone through a traumatic event and 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 give them permission to not use a euphemism for what has happened to them mm. That is very important, and I no, and I'm glad that you clarified it in that way because that that truly goes to the 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 trauma, like you said, and the grief that you know your in your response to it. But I love that you had that voice inside that said, "Get up," and you you certainly did, and and you you continue to help your clients who are going through this too. And another thing that I didn't add. And, I, and again, I don't know, I know it was during the pandemic, but I don't know the exact timeline of when things, if there was overlap. Because Alexander technique is so hands-on, obviously Sharon couldn't meet with clients. And we, in the beginning, we really hadn't, a, a, you know, adopted, everybody wasn't on Zoom in the beginning of the pandemic. So you also had that dealing, dealing with the ending of, you know, this marriage and your business also were there any tools specifically um, i know that you've talked about meditation therapy are there any other tools that you relied on during uh that that raucous time yeah i mean i really had to lean into all of my tools i i did i did and i still go, go to therapy to help deal with the the trauma and the grief uh of the ending of like the, the the total disappearance of what I believed my life was going to be for the rest of my life. Um, so I continued to go to therapy. And I remember a therapist saying, like, I was so deeply upset that the therapist was like, breathe, 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 which is so ironic. Because I teach people how to calm and soothe their nervous systems. And I really had to utilize all of my training around breathing coordination slowing my breathing and quieting my nervous system down um i had exchange once we were able to go back in person i've had many exchanges with other alexander technique teachers because the the grounding grounding in my own body is also so healing 
And, um, you know, I, I really had to soothe and calm my nervous system. So in, in the meditations I, I do, there is like breathing in white light and breathing out black smoke. I have done that meditation so many times. So that when I start to feel the stress of like, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this life challenge? You know, my shoulders are coming up to my ears. I can slowly let them melt down my back. I can breathe out. I mean, it, it doesn't solve the problem, but boy, it solves the internal state. Breathe out dark smoke, breathe in white light, the, which is um, from the, the, the meditation practice I do is Buddhist, and that's a very Buddhist meditation. Breathing in calm, breathing in soothing white light, breathing out the frustration, breathing out the anger. That meditation has really helped me to come back into the present moment so that I can really deal with reality instead of my fears and my stresses in my imagination. I love how you added that those practices, it didn't, it didn't magically solve the problem, but it got you into the state that you could solve those problems. Because let's be honest, when your body hurts, when it's holding tension, I mean, it, it, it literally hurts. And it's hard to see solutions in our lives when we're in pain. And I do think also along the lines of what you were saying, earlier about people using euphemisms to talk about traumatic life experiences. I think that people gloss over what our physical pain does to us. We know that in addition to divorces actually going up during the pandemic, suicides also increase. And some of that, I, I don't have the data uh, in front of me, but some of that is people who experience chronic pain. It, it's not, it, it can, you know, it can, excuse me, it can shield your whole perspective and, you know, you feel like you'll never feel better again. So yeah, again, it's all, it all feeds into each other, that mind and body. And so that's why I love having this conversation with you. I, I want to really quickly just state that like our emotional pain can, in this current world, we sort of delineate and separate different experiences and symptoms and our emotional pain is often seen as something separate from our physical pain but I would say they are so intertwined and that if you are stuffing down painful emotion um you know I've I've bumped into people since the world has opened up and they're like wow you look great I'm like what'd you do and I'm like I cried a lot <laughs> I would let my emotion move through my body and move out. And then when we allow our emotion to leave our body through something like crying or like physical exercise uh, or just any sort of breath awareness, we also get to alter our emotional state as well. Oh, man, you're saying so many good things. And I keep looking at my questions going, don't forget to insert that response to what she said. Don't forget. Okay, several things. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I think even the government is guilty of that and, and health providers of separating the body from emotions and the mind. Luckily, we've been making strides um, in, in mental health advocacy and mental health laws that the brand, we're, we're getting greater and greater parity. Health insurance companies now have to treat the mind, the brain, just like they treat a broken leg. 
a heart condition because it's all connected. But that took forcing the government to change its language and policies around the topic. And that, you know, it forced, and we're still not there yet, but we're on our way. The other things that are two other things that I wanted to point out, control. Considering the clients that you've worked with over the years, do you also hear or see in their own lives how applying Alexander technique and giving them a greater cons- a sense of control over their own body and agency, do they, do you notice, or do they tell you that they now feel a greater sense of control over their lives in general? Definitely. I mean, one story, this is, this actually happened quite a while ago, but I had a, a client that came in and she was going into a true blood audition and she took one session with me and I gave her, first of all, I helped her identify her habit of how she was shutting her body off in response to pretending to go into an audition or armoring. And then I gave her a couple like tools to practice, like letting breath out. When you let breath out, your out breath is the soothing phase of your breathing. A lot of people say, well, take deep breath, but that actually is excitatory. The soothing phase of your breath is your out breath. So I gave her the tool of letting breath out, which also helped her release her jaw, release her shoulders and let go of the bracing in her abdominal wall and she nailed the audition and got cast on true blood and then i've had other clients who were um you know she's building her own business in astrology she's an astrologist but speaking in front of groups she just completely shut down she couldn't speak she was so nervous her body closed up and tightened up and now she is running a thriving business, offering events, writing books, because she learned to better manage her stress and anxiety in front of other people. So that really changes people's lives. Because I know that we have that artistic connection, along with Alexander Technique, how did artistic expression contribute to how does it contribute to healing? You know, there was there was this moment, it was a little over a year ago, not that long ago, where I was, you know, once again, like, really, like, caught up in the, the pain of the the breakup and um, and the everything I have to go through for the divorce. And I was, like, upset. I'm like, I don't have a husband. I don't have a house. I don't have a marriage. I don't have a dog. We had a German shepherd. I had to give the German shepherd back. I'm like, I don't have anything. And then there was this like moment where I was like, I don't have a husband. I don't have a dog. I don't have a house. I don't have a marriage. I have freedom. And I am not anti-marriage at all. I actually really loved being married. This is not about that, but it's a reframe. And so then from there, I auditioned for a salsa performance team. I also uh, traveled to Costa Rica and learned to surf. And I went to Greece where I did a women's, I took a women's retreat. We were dancing and using our voice. So in the reframe of a story, I re-remembered my love of dance and performance and to this day, if I am feeling negative emotion, I mean, of course, I want to consciously acknowledge it and see what's coming up for me, but I can 
spin it out, shake it out, go to salsa dancing and get dipped, dip it out. And then I feel like I can totally handle that. Amen, sister. <laughs> also, okay, slight shift now. <laughs> I want to talk about the British. <laughs> the NHS, which is the National Health Service for the UK, cites, they actually do cite Alexander Technique on their site. Um, I think I saw it referenced a little bit uh, in a study on our own NIH, the National Institute of Health in the U.S., but the NHS has a whole dedicated page to it. And they shared that the mind and body work together intimately as one, each constantly influencing the other. And they also share that Alexander Technique has shown benefits in treating stress. We, we know that, obviously, but also other conditions. And they have many listed, but I'm just, I just grabbed a few. Uh, stammering, asthma, and assisting patients with Parkinson's symptoms. I want to talk about, this This is an all arts themed episode. I didn't, I didn't really intend it to be that way, but it's just, it's happening naturally, so it's fine. I want to talk about stammering. And the reason why I want to talk about that is because of a particular film that was out not too long ago. I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, probably. But it's a really good film, Oscar winning, The King's Speech. And for those listeners who perhaps haven't seen it, I certainly recommend you see it. But it's the story of King George VI of, the, uh, of England. And he was sort of an accidental king. His older brother ascended to the throne, but because of his desire to marry his divorced uh, American wife, I guess he he was forced to abdicate, or maybe chose to, I'm not, I don't know British history, or, or uh, chose to abdicate the, uh, the throne, and his brother uh, had to step up. But his brother had a, spoke with a stammer, and leaders did communicate with their, with their nation through radio and speeches sort of detrimental for a king especially when can you consider that this was during world war ii why i'm bringing this film up it's a great film but why i'm bringing it up in this discussion is because i recognized in the film that the doctor who the king goes to to be treated is you he's not only a doctor or a speech uh, therapist he was an, an actor and so i saw him using techniques, vocal practices, Alexander technique practices to to heal and help and treat the king. When the king is getting very frustrated with the, with the progress and you know, he has the stress of leaving the leaving his nation during this time of war, and the doctor he makes the king recite read lines of Shakespeare, but he he puts a set of headphones on his ears and, and is pumping in music. So the king can't hear himself, therefore he can't judge himself. He throws off the headphones in frustration, storms out of the office, and later it's revealed he spoke perfectly. And it just, I'm sure that, you know, a speech therapist and, and other professionals will say there's more to it than that, I'm sure. But but it was it was a very visual reminder about how strong the connection is between the mind and body. If it's strong enough to impede a king is strong enough to impact us all. And you mentioned it already, Sharon, how when you were in college and perhaps had disparaging thoughts about your own body, how you shrank yourself. One of your specific passions now is helping women 
find their voices just like the keen. Helping those clients of yours grow confidence, physical confidence, uh, mental confidence in taking up space and not apologizing, ownership of that. So can you talk more about what type of work you're doing with uh, young women or, or, or not all women and, and why you're doing it? I, this year, I have loved being on stage and speaking on stages and, and performing on stages as well with dance and um, some theater. But I have made it my mission to inspire women to recognize the unconscious training. And it's not just of themselves, but like, you know, how the world has unconsciously trained women to play small and to be meek and to curl up to seem less threatening and more ladylike. And it isn't serving us. It's not serving women. So my keynote talk is stop shrinking and boldly take up space. Empower your presence and optimize performance in high-stakes situations. And in my keynote talks, I not only like inspire, excite, and motivate women, like, yes, I can take up space. Yes, it's important for me to take up space, but also give women tools to release the armor of tension, to, pro to release that protective tendency. Women will like pull their shoulders up and pull their heart back. And they look like little girls instead of women who have powerful message to share with this world. And that unconscious physical habit to play small makes women seem less like experts, less valid, like makes them seem like they don't know what they're talking about. And so in my keynote talks at women's events, corporate trainings for, you know, ERGs that are employee resource groups for women, speaking to university groups for women. I really want to give them the tools because let's face it, we've all heard the phrase, oh, just, just, just stand up straight. But that actually heightens us up and that, that there is a feminine presence that women have access to and a voice that is resonant and fills the room with their energy and their message. And I want to help women get their message out and speak to other women so that we are empowering each other. At the end of this conversation, we'll be sharing how you can get in touch with Sharon. And I think that the, what she has to say to young women in this sense would be really so helpful. But, and I also think, I know that this is her passion and this is what we're talking about, but I, guys, I don't want to leave you out too. You know, you get messages from the world too for various reasons that, that, that impact how you see yourself and your own personal power. So I'm sure Sharon can speak to you too. So don't feel left out. It's, it's a something for everyone. You mentioned to uh, corporate awareness. And it's interesting to me, too, to see how this conversation about physical health and awareness and mental health is shifting in corporate America. Interesting uh, to see that at work, it's becoming less, it's a less, less stigmatized conversation to have. In fact, we're seeing that as younger generations are entering the workplace more and more, 
they're bringing with them expectations that their employer will be committed to this topic of mental wellness in a way that previous generations probably didn't really do so so vehemently. Can you talk about the attention that you're giving your training and your keynote speaking to corporate uh, populations? Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, um, on average, people in general are sitting 9.1 hours a day, which isn't really what we're designed to do. And then in a corporate job, people are sitting that and maybe even longer. And so I've had companies contact me to come in and give talks to the group. I, I talk about healthy, pain-free posture, taking care of your body while taking care of business. And um, giving people really, they're more subtle. I'm definitely not, you know, I'm not having them do big stretches or anything, but I am teaching my corporate wellness classes to people who recognize that all the sitting they're doing is hurting their bodies. Um, there is there is a loss, billions of dollars lost, not only on ab absenteeism because of pain, stress, and anxiety, but something called presenteeism, where people are present at work, but they're so distracted by pain, stress, and anxiety that they're not able to do their work well. I mean, there's so much language uh, around productivity. And so the tools that I give are very simple, usable tools that people can do at their desk. And so I talk about uh, using the out breath. I talk about gentle releases, like the shoulders melting down the back, allowing the jaw to gently, slowly, and kindly release, letting go of the abdominal walls so that people can breathe more easily. And then I talk about sitting up straight is not the answer. Use the back of the chair so you can rest and have a long spine. So the corporations um, are recognizing that sitting and the impact of sitting and the stress of sitting for 9.1 hours a day is hurting their employees and costing them money. And then I also do mindfulness work teaching uh, mindfulness practices so that people can slow down their thought processes and really look at what's the next action I need to take. I had one participant once say to me, like, I feel like I have a stress shield now after the class. So that was really fun. I know that this is a recorded conversation, but if you are hearing this conversation before December 7th, 2023, you can actually join us next week for next week, uh, which is December 7th, uh, Sharon has agreed to do a program with us and she'll be showing the attendees some of, some of these very techniques that you've heard us discuss today. So especially if you manage a team, own a company, it's something that your employees are, could use, would benefit from, and many are screaming for it. You want to feel good both physically and mentally so that you can be the most productive employee as you can. And this gets me thinking too, when I was thinking about who doesn't use this, but could use this even more. And I'm thinking of caregivers and remote workers who, because honestly, I haven't eaten the, the nine point something hours sitting 
I would even say from my own life, I think it's more than that because just working, you're sitting in front of the computer that long, but then you have your private lifetime that, you know, you're, you're in front of your computer, communicating with family, watching Netflix or, you know, and so, yeah, it's, it's even more. Do you have any advice, encouragement for someone who's never tried Alexander Technique, how they can get started? Where should they go? Well, I mean, there are tons of YouTube channels. Uh, my YouTube channel is actually Sharon Jack, J-A-K. Um, I have a website, alexandertechniquela.com, uh, where you can look at my blog posts and, you know, read through the site. There, like, I use a lot of video so you can see what I'm describing. Um, you know, the, the first tool I would offer, which I, I've kind of already mentioned, is let breath out. Uh, we call it the whispered awe in Alexander Technique. When you let breath out, that is the soothing phase of the breath cycle. And it also encourages a release of the jaw, a release of the shoulders, all of the muscles of your torso release on your out breath. And your out breath even fuels the length of your spine, allowing your spine to be long. Now, I will not say straight your spine does not need to be straight, but a long spine is a more relaxed, gives you a more relaxed body. That's the first tool I give everyone. And the first tool that if you're listening to this, you can use it right now. Let breath out. You're in no hurry and you don't have to put, you're not going, you're not pushing it out. You're not breathing hard. You're rolling it out. And there's a softening that happens and a releasing that happens in your entire body. The program that we are having is December 7th. You can go to our website, mhai.org, and go to the Learn column on the front page and scroll down to Events, where you can register for, for um, this event with Sharon. You can, you can ask for questions. Uh, you can learn techniques that you can do at home, at, at work. But it's at 7 p.m. Central Time. The program is called Decompress de-stress, and stop overwhelm from ruining the season. And you can, uh, again, you can um, register there. You'll also, we'll also be sharing some mental health resources that are available through Mental Health America as well. And she mentioned her YouTube channel. I really encourage you to, to go uh, try it out and see what you can learn and practice at Sharon Jack, J-A-K, is her YouTube channel. You can also, if you're if you're interested in learning more about Sharon, talking to her, maybe about bringing in her her expertise and programs to your your company, you can visit her on LinkedIn. And now her last name is Jacobisi, so I'll I'll spell that for you. But it's on LinkedIn. She's Sharon Dash Jacobisi Dash Keynote Dash Speaker, and Jacobisi is well. It's 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 in the title. It'll be in the title of this podcast episode but it's j-a-k-u-b-e-c-y and again you can find it in our attached to the program oh all the all the uh travails of us uh who have to spell our last names <laughs> that's called more tension there <laughs> yeah a little tension in our lives than anything <laughs> people usually say sharon jack and then they stop there and i'm like yeah sharon jack that's one thing we got it. And, uh, and you just had to lean into it and go with it. <laughs> um, 
I want to thank you for this very encouraging and informative and I hope helpful conversation for for listeners. Um, thank you, Sharon. You're so welcome. It's great to see you and, and talk to you and, and hear your voice. Such a pleasure. I, I mean it when I say that. I think about I think about the tension in my body. I I I don't do it as much as I used to do it, but the constructive rest, I still utilize that technique and I do see a difference. And I think it's just a matter of prioritizing my own self-care and just not rushing through the day and and acknowledging what I need to feel good and, and to be my most productive. So listen to this lady, bring her in to help to help not only you, but to help your employees because it really makes a difference and you'll 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 take these tools and fly. Thank you, Mariah. Thank you everyone for listening and I hope you have just a little bit less tension in your body and take up a little bit more space. <laughs>